that's here with me today. So I have some of my friends and family, my husband who's filming in the front. <laughs> Praise him for that. <laughs> he also found out that this is an Omega church, an Omega friendly church. All right, there's more of them now. So, um, but I have my, my friend and um, her future Steph Curry, uh, my uncle, my aunt, one of my mentees. Um, I just thank you guys all for being here with me today. So last but not least, I think we just have to one more time give a round of applause to these graduates here today. It is amazing, it is inspiring, it is impressive. The wide array of backgrounds that you guys have, the different industries that you're going to touch and make your mark on in the future. And I sure, I'm sure that I speak for everyone here that we can't wait to see what you do in this next chapter of your life. So um, as you guys can see, I kind of came in theme today. Uh, so my shirt says, prayer, boss up, and repeat. Okay, so I want to talk to you all about my journey and how that's been different and talk about going into this next chapter of life, what that's going to look like, uh, because it's not always what we envision it to be. It's not always the rosy fields and the uh, beautiful walks along the park. <laughs> Sometimes it gets a little dark and dreary, and it's in those moments that you got to stay the course. So... Um, the two scriptures that we read from uh, this morning, which uh, the young lady that read it did such a beautiful job, um, those two scriptures are extremely meaningful to me because I found them during the course of my life, during a period in my life where I was going through a lot of struggles. And they spoke to me, they spoke to my spirit because they told me to stay the course. They told me to forget what I was getting from other people and seek what I needed from God. And I hope that as we go through this conversation today, some of what I learned will touch you guys as well. So, you know, here we are. You guys finally graduated high school, college, whatever it may be. That's exciting, I'm sure. Um, I remember uh, when I was there at that stage, I remember graduating in high school and, you know, big old huge smile on my face, ready to go take on the next phase of my life. Uh, there with my family and friends, taking pictures galore, just enjoying the moment, basking in my own success, um, saying to myself that, you know, I've accomplished this feat, now on to the next one. And then I remember going to college, and I think that was the next time that I felt that great pride and sense of joy because, you know, despite it all, despite the uh, uh, final exams that were trying to be against me, you know, I made it through <laughs> despite despite the college coaches that didn't care about what time I was supposed to be in class and the class instructors that didn't care about what time I was supposed to be at practice, I made it through. So, you know, I get it. You guys, you know, are at this point that you're coming out and you're saying to yourself, you know, I accomplished things, it's on to the next thing. I'm grown, right? I said it. And then life has shown me that I knew nothing about what that meant. Uh, at the course of time, right? I was grown then, man, you know, I was gonna move to DC and buy a house. My uncle quickly told me that was not happening on my salary. Uh, 
that I was just gonna go and take over the world. And it was gonna be easy, right? Cause I made it through school, I made it through those tough days, those long hours. So this next thing where I don't have to wake up to be at uh, physics or be at uh, the theoretical engineering classes at eight o'clock in the morning, I could do this. I didn't realize that the next phase was me waking up to go to the same job day after day after day, you know. I didn't really think that far in advance. But you know, I mean, it's great. You're on to the next chapter of your life. So you're going to a new city. You're gonna experience new things. You're gonna experience new friends, new experiences, just all a new mystery, this next chapter. And so that means that there's a world of endless possibilities. When I graduated, that's when I came here to DC. Um, and I was fortunate, like I said, to stay with my uncle. Um, uh, like I said, I had visions of grandeur. Now, mind you, I came from Detroit, Michigan, so I'm a homegrown Detroiter, by way of Missouri. So I went from inexpensive to dirt cheap to DC. <laughs> so that was a hard awakening. I still remember the conversation one time I was having with my uncle. He probably didn't even remember this. But I said, yeah, I'm coming. I want to get a townhouse. And he was like, a townhouse, huh? And it was, it was that, you know, that response that's like, I don't want to break her spirit, but I know how much you make. You can stay in the room for as long as you need. You know, but you know, I was here, I was adjusting to my life as a, as a working woman. I took my first job, like they said, as a power systems engineer at WMATA. And for everyone, I apologize to the 8 a.m. service. If you've been delayed by the train service, that is not on me. Praise God, I got nothing to do with that one, so I'm sorry. It'll get better, maybe. Um, but I was one of few engineers uh, in the entire company that looked like me, a young black woman. At the time, I wasn't nearly as woke as I am now, so my focus was just going in, getting myself grounded in what I was doing, making a name for myself, and progressing through the company, as I'm sure many of you guys are thinking, walking in the door. You probably are a little bit woke than I was because the day and age just doesn't allow you to not be. But, you know, at the same time, you just want to go in and get started. And so I went in and I took on any task that was thrown at me, tasks that weren't thrown at me. I remember when I first got there, obviously because I was a young black woman, and this is not the norm that they had seen. They tried to throw me on the desk and have me doing desk engineering work, which for everybody that doesn't know what that means, it means boredom times a thousand, repeated, right? So it was CAD drawings, which that probably doesn't mean a lot to many people, but it was, it's very boring. It was reading books, it was reading standards, it was things like that. I said, well, this isn't for me. I want to go to the field. Nobody's going to respect me if all I can do is read out of a book. So I would go and I would work any type of shift with any crew just to go out so I can learn my craft. I can master my craft. So if somebody asks me a question, I can push back. I could be ready to answer at will. Um, sometimes whether they were talking to me or not, to be perfectly honest, but that's me, so I don't know. Um, but anyways, I came forward, I progressed my, my career forward very quickly um, because I started to make a name for myself. And what I noticed is 
as I started to attend more and more meetings with higher and higher levels, I started to notice very, very clearly that I was the only one that looked like me in that meeting. It started to now seep into my spirit that something here is not right because while I believe in myself, I'm not the, the, the brightest, I'm not the sharpest, but I'm here, so why can't someone else be here with me? I started noticing that people who were on my team cheering for me when I was just a novice engineer, those people started to dwindle down slowly and surely because they started to see me as competition now that I was a corporate go-getter. I started noticing that my inner circle, my friends, people that I felt that I could confide in, those people, that circle started getting smaller and smaller. And I noticed more and more that there were times that I felt so alone that sometimes it would just honestly bring me to tears. And I would ask myself, am I really this lame? Am I really just this boring? Am I too bossy? And like I said to the 8 a.m. service, please do not ask my husband this after the service has concluded. Y'all can tell him thank you for being here, but don't ask him if I'm bossy. We have to keep black marriages alive. So I would ask, am I doing something wrong? You know, what is it? Why me, you know? And like Deacons pressed on earlier, what I would always do, what I always do when I'm feeling down is I call my mom. Um, and as you guys will realize, if you don't already know, there is nothing more powerful on this earth than a praying mother. So, I would call her, she would ask me, okay, Tiff, what, cause, okay, so I call my mom, and normally I sound like this, but when something's upset, or I'm upset about something, I call her, and I just get real monotone. It's like, hey, mom. She said, what's wrong? I wouldn't say nothing. Just sit there breathing on the phone, like she's supposed to just automatically know. But she did, <laughs> and so she would say, you know, what's going on? And I'd still be quiet, nothing, I'm fine, while I'm steadily trying to fight back tears. My mom would start saying something that I would completely ignore, because even though it was 1,010% accurate, I'm young, I'm grown, you don't know my life, right? <laughs> and, um, and so I would sit there, and my mom at the end would just say, you know what, whatever it is, everything's gonna be all right, and she would say that I need to pray. She would say that she was praying for me. And then she would ask me, as I said earlier, when's the last time you went to church? So I would just sit there and not answer any questions. Bless my mama. She's just dealt with me for so long, but she birthed me so she knows God's not done with me yet. But she would just sit there, and she would immediately start to speak just power, God's word over my life. And of course, being young and frustrated, I listened, but I was remiss in acknowledging in that moment what I knew to be true, which is when in doubt, seek God. So I would listen, get off the phone, eventually have my conversation with God on my own, and then go to bed the next day, wake up, do it all over again 
go back to work, get frustrated, call my mama, not say anything. She pray for me, she tell me to pray. We get off the phone, I speak to God, go to bed, repeat, right? And even though I was young and I was stubborn, without question, my uncle can speak on that, my mom never stopped praying for me. She never ceased in praying for me. And she never stopped preaching, she never stopped believing, she never stopped fighting for me in the right fight. While I was sitting here trying to deal with people, she was dealing with God. And so she prayed me through some of the toughest days and hardest decisions in my life. And when it got really, really rough, that's when she called in for backup and called my Detroit church family. Now, Zariah, yes, yes, as I came to find out, you grew up in the church, baby, so I know you can attest to this, but I grew up in the church. My church home in Michigan is very similar uh, to this. And uh, whenever I go home, you know, thinking that I've had these conversations with my mom, it was always so interesting to me because everybody in my church had just as much interest in my progression and my success as my family. So my mom, unbeknownst to me, has had many a conversations, many of our private conversations, <laughs> with the church, you know. So it was nothing for me to go home and you know, 20 people talk to me and say, well, you know we're praying for you, baby, and it's going to be all right. And that boss situation won't last forever. I'm like, all right. Thank you so much. I cannot remember your name, but, <laughs> but I thank you. And so it was nothing. You know, every time I would go home, it would happen. And a simple walk from the start of the aisle to the end of the aisle, 10, 20 people telling me that they're praying for me and everything's going to be okay. And I was young and, again, simple. I just got to keep emphasizing that because I'm telling you 20 ain't 30, 30 ain't 40, and so on and so forth. Those years bring about knowledge and understanding that we didn't have uh, when we were younger. So I would always look at my mom in disbelief like, come on. <laughs> I just talked to you about not saying anything. And she would say, well, I didn't say nothing. Well, how does the whole church? But in my mom's mind, the church was private. That was sacred. So she didn't share it with the public. She shared it with the church. That's different, girl. So I had to come to learn that, you know, I appreciate it much more now, I could tell you, um, than I did back then. But. Every time I came back to D.C., time would pass, and so would whatever situation I was struggling with at the time. And every time I felt that I was at my breaking point of frustration, God would answer my prayers. And all of the prayers of all of my tribe, friends, church, who had been praying for me, unbeknownst to myself. And so, as he always does, as he continues to do, God delivered opportunity after opportunity to me. And I got promotion after promotion, sometimes in positions I didn't believe that I was even qualified for. Well, not even believe, I was not qualified. But they took a chance on me, they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And so I stepped into the role and I killed it. Don't get it twisted, boss up, remember that part. But I stepped into the role and I did my best. 
And just like that, whatever the pressing issue that I was upset about that my mom has shared was a fading memory as I continued to receive blessings from God and move on to bigger and better things. Let me tell you that this cycle, it repeated for more years than I would have liked to admit, is still repeating to this day. But one year in particular, I found myself in a very difficult situation. I just decided one day that I had had enough. I was working still for WMATA, and I started to see my health deteriorate because I was so stressed about a position I was in. So I decided one Wednesday to angrily pack up my box or bag, I can't even remember. I walked out the door and that was it, I quit. I didn't walk back. And so for the first time in my life, I found myself in a situation where I was without a job, I had no plan, but yet I had a steady stream of bills coming in that they expected payment every month. They still do, I think it's ridiculous, but neither here nor there. So just like every other time, I called my mama. And like every other time, she would tell me, I need to pray. She was praying for me and get to church. And so this time, I had the benefit of uh, having a praying partner, uh, which would eventually become my praying husband. So he stuck with me through that. And so for the young folks, I know we're talking about success and business, but I am going to impart this little bit on you, that if you do choose a mate, whatever that looks like, um, just make sure that they can't pray for you when they aren't with you, then they ain't for you. One more time. All right. If they can't pray for you when they aren't with you, then they ain't for you. So even though I've been here before, frustrated with work, frustrated with whatever situation, this time it was different. This time something told me to jump off the cliff and I did, I quit. But then when I was like midway falling back, I was like, oh, did I miss the rest of the message? <laughs> like what happened? So I had no job, I had no plan, I had steady bills. So clearly God was still trying to tell me something and I just ran too fast, so I thought. But basically, I was, I was scared. You know, it's the first time in my life that a person who's very stringent about the direction that she wants to head in had no direction to head in. And so my fear became so overwhelming that it clouded my judgment. I couldn't see the next day, the next minute, the next second because I was so fearful that I had made a mistake and that I was not walking the path that God had intended for me. So for the first time in my life, I fasted and I read scriptures and I did this day after day for 40 days. And I'll say this to you guys, if you guys have never experienced fully immersing yourself in the word of God and the will of God, that is a tool that I guarantee you, you will use at some point in time in your life. So put that one in your back pocket, sharpen it when ready, but it's always at the ready, I can tell you that. So I know that God had a purpose for me, but me trying to figure it out on my own was just not working. 
I know that there was a reason that I was at this point in my life, but I didn't know what it was, and that dark road ahead, that unknown path, well, that's what I soon learned to call, or what you will soon learn to call, is life. And let me tell you that sometimes life has a way of scaring you off your purpose. See, in life, it's easy to stay on the path that many have traveled. It's easy to go with the flow and never challenge the norm. But that's not what the scripture tells us. The scripture tells us that we are here as the many to play our part as humble servants in the body of Christ. So we are here as the many to serve one. So as I stayed the course, I worked on strengthening my spirit through my fasting and my prayer, which then strengthened my mind. And as he always did and does and will, God provided. It was this time, or it was at that time, five years ago that I opened my, my training business. Now, just imagine that I'm deciding to open a business with no money, <laughs> no purpose, no plan, just this is all my spirit to do. I love helping people, I love working with people. She was one of my first clients. She lasted one time. I don't mean to put her on blast, but it's fine. She was like, I had her do too many squats and that was it for her. Um, but no, but I mean, I just appreciated friends like that, that trusted me um, as I was taking this new venture of my life. And it just encouraged me to stay there and that I was walking down the right path. So a few years later, my husband and I, um, through a whole lot of grinding, we ended up opening our own fitness studio, which we still have in operations to this day called Torch Gym. So praise God on that. Listen, it's not easy to open your own business, I assure you. So it was passion that God had put in my heart but I had repressed it because I was trying to travel a path of the many instead of the one that God had already paid for me. And I, I truly, I thank him daily for never giving up on me when I wanted to give up on myself. I thank him every day for giving me a praying mother, father, brother, husband, uncle, aunt, cousin, nephew, niece, family member, church member. By surrounding me with a tribe of people that saw in me God when I could not see it in myself. People that continue to pray for me without ceasing when I couldn't pray for myself. And while the road of success is not always easy, the path is not always clear, if you have faith and you allow him to work through you, God will open doors that you never knew existed. God will provide opportunities that you never imagined that you could have had. So I'm say to you guys today, very clearly, stay the course, and most importantly, show up. One of the many marching by faith every day, you will serve your purpose in God's army. I guess what I'm trying to tell you today is that there will be times that it will be bleak, more times than you want to acknowledge, admit, or understand. But that time, those moments, they are fleeting. If you stay the course, if you pray, if you ask those around you to pray for you, and you keep those around you that pray for you, 
then your success is only one prayer away. God delivers. He's delivered. He will continue to deliver. So you have to have faith in the dark days ahead. So I want to bring this back around to the theme, right? Why I have this sparkly shirt on and whatnot. Pray, boss up, and repeat. So what is prayer? Prayer is about having faith. And faith, as he tells us in Hebrews 11, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We pray because we have faith that God will deliver. Our responsibility is to pray for each other. And just as I challenged the 8 a.m. service, I challenge you all here that these young people are about to embark on this next chapter. And we know that the prayers have to be plentiful. They have to be loud. They have to be specific. You young people, I, I, I do, don't like saying that because I don't think I'm old. But the reality is I'm at 20 years almost. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but for you young people, you guys have to continue to pray. Even if you don't know what you're praying for, you need to seek God because whatever he has, you can't reach it if you don't ask. Remember that as you step into this next chapter, you stay prayerful through the good and the bad moments of your life because God's purpose is greater than your own understanding. And if he sees you to it, Nobody knows that? Thank you, just checking if we're listening. So let me try it again, if he sees you to it. So to my congregation, like I said, like my mother and my tribe have done for me, we have an obligation to play for these young people as they begin this walk of this next chapter. We must keep them protected under the watchful and merciful sight of God, especially, especially when they are unable to do it for themselves. We must pray without ceasing. Boss up, walk in your purpose. Walk in your purpose. Sometimes people around you won't understand that, but it's not their walk, it's yours. Whatever God puts on your heart to do, do it. And do it relentlessly. Attack it with that same energy that you have when, when you wanted to accomplish anything, when you wanted to graduate and you went across a tough class, you didn't stop, you persevered through. When you wanted to learn one of these dance moves, <laughs> you persevered through, you practiced. Whatever it is, when you wanted to play soccer, whatever it is that you wanted to do, you attacked it relentlessly. You have to attack the ability to walk in your purpose and walk with God in your purpose with that same energy. When you get knocked down, because you will, we all have, you got to pick yourself back up, you got to dust yourself back off, and you got to step back in that meeting, that building, that room, that class, like you were supposed to be there, and like nothing happened. Just as Romans teaches us, our roles may be different in this world, but our purpose is to serve them diligently. Bossing up is simply deciding that you won't give up. Take that out 
of your vocabulary now. Giving up is never an option. Giving up is never an out either. It just takes you down a different path. You show up and you show out and whatever you do, stand in your faith, have pride in the work that you do, lead the way and set the example for those that came, that will come behind you. Just like everyone here has influenced your life at some point in time and set an example, they've set a foundation, a step, that has allowed you to take the next step. You must now set that next step so the people coming behind you can take a step up. We have to walk each other to greatness. So now it's your turn, just like it was our parents' turn and their parents' turn and their parents before them. So what does it mean to repeat? Simply put, life is about the journey. There will be days that you get it right and you're on cloud nine and there will be days that you question why you even got out of bed to begin with. And like I told him this morning, I tried a couple of times to like just sleep through it, like, oh, it's not gonna be Wednesday. I wake up, it's still Wednesday. So you can't go back. You can't undo what's been done, but what you can do is you can learn from what you did. You can learn from the experiences that you have. And then that allows you to now repeat that same effort, keep that same energy as you walk in that door and you attack it the next day. But now you can do it a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser than you were the time before. You have to keep and repeat that energy when you're putting, the, we are putting towards our success and our walk with God day in and day out. Repeating the effort, we are putting towards serving our purpose in his service. So as I leave you today, I want to again thank you guys for allowing me to be here and speak to you. For the graduates, you are the next generation. You are the best of all of us. And I say that again, you are the best of all of us. You have the benefit of knowledge that I didn't have, that our parents didn't have, that our grandparents didn't have. That experience, that knowledge, that love, it is in you. So it is your responsibility now to carry the torch and to build that step for the next generation. As you step into this next chapter, do it with a prayerful heart Boss up at every opportunity presented to you because what God has put in front of you and has for you, no man can take from you. And do each and end each and every day with a grateful heart, grateful for the opportunity to be able to have done it and to be able to do it all again. So God bless you all, and I'll be watching as y'all go take over this world. So good luck to you all. Thank you.